Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Welcome to Arkansas AgCast for April 23rd. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. This week, we talked to Jarrah Settles of the Livestock Marketing Association in Kansas City about the importance of livestock auctions. And we hear from Julia Fryer of the Cooperative Extension Service about produce safety. We also learn about a new website for local businesses and nonprofits called Uplift Arkansas. First, Keith Sutton interviews Julia Fryer, Program Associate in Food Systems and Food Safety at the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture Cooperative Extension Service. Keith and Julia discuss food safety, particularly produce safety, and things farmers and consumers need to know in order to stay safe this spring. Welcome to AgCast. This is Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau, and today I am talking with Julia Fryer, who is the Program Associate for Food Systems and Food Safety at the University of Arkansas System, Division of Agriculture Cooperative Extension Service. That's a big old long name. How are you doing today, Julia? I'm good. Thank you for having me today. It is a <laughs> yeah. mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> it is a mouthful. And, you know, I guess we can kind of shorten it down a little. You're you're a food safety person. Would you say that in some regards? Yes, that is what I would say. Whenever I was first hired by Extension, it was just for the produce safety program, but since I've been here, it's evolved into more aspects of local food, but I'm still very much into the food safety realm. Well, and that's sort of what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about produce safety in particular and some of the related aspects of that. What What's going on with people right now, Julia, with folks uh, being quarantined at home and all, do you think that uh, is making people think a little bit, a little bit more about food safety? Maybe I do. I think it's making a lot of consumers think more about food safety. I do want to just point out that there is absolutely no evidence that COVID nineteen is transmitted by food or food packaging, so this really isn't something that could be on your fresh produce that you buy at the store or a farmer's market, and you bring it home and eat it and get COVID that way. And they actually say that your stomach acid would kill the virus before you would get sick. Well, that's super good to know. A lot of us are relieved just hearing that because I don't think everybody knows that. Right, yeah, so that's something important to keep in mind, but the risk comes in. If there is COVID on your food, you get it on your hands, and then you touch your eyes, nose, or mouth, that's where you could get it from being carried on food. But it's not the food itself. So it's really not a a food safety issue in that regard, which is a comfort. Well, it's about that time of year right now where we're starting to see some fresh produce come on the market. Nowadays, we see that, I guess, year-round, really, but we're getting into that season where a lot of our Arkansas farmers are starting to pick fresh produce and sell it. What do we need to be aware of as consumers uh, as we stop by the farmer's market or the grocery? What are some of the things we ought to know? Yeah, I think just trying to practice that social distancing is the most vital right now. 
So it's keeping that six foot dis, uh, distance between people. Um, a lot of farmers markets are kind of shifting how they operate to where you just drive up and you maybe call in or have a designated pickup slot time where you come and they will bring you your box of produce that you've ordered online ahead of time. So just being flexible and being able to shift into this new market system is really important. I've just recently been to one of uh, our farmers near where I live, uh, close to Little Rock, and uh, they were doing that very thing. Uh, we actually scheduled an appointment and then dropped by, and they were ready to uh, hand everything off while we're still in the car, uh, very little contact. Is that typical, do you think, uh, what we're going to be seeing this spring? I think so, yeah. A lot of farms have been asking us for recommendations just because this is such a challenging time, and there's lots of different revenue um, outlets that have been cut off because of this, like restaurant sales and school sales. And so farmers are trying to figure out, okay, I don't have these outlets anymore. How can I sell my produce? And so this is one really viable way. Websites are super I say super easy, but they're fairly easy to set up, and I think a lot of our growers could shift to that online market and be able to do this drive up and load a box of fresh produce into the consumer's car. I think it's a really good option. And you at the Cooperative Extension Service are there to help folks uh, do things like that. Is that right? We are, yes. We actually started a it's a bi-weekly, so every other week, um, it's a webinar on Zoom. And oh, yeah. And to register. You just have to register because we've been having Zoom security issues. Um, but these webinars are called the Local Foods Open Space Discussion, and we're taking just different topics. And so the last one we had was on this very topic of um, online platforms and shifting your market. So, yeah, we're here to be a resource and just help anyone in any way we can. So uh, if I'm interested in hearing those webinars and getting registered for those, where do I go to do that? You can go to our website. It is www.uaex.edu backslash local foods. And then there will be a link on that web page for this open space discussion. And you'll just click on that and register with an email, and you can download Zoom. It's free, so you can participate that way. You can participate on a computer or a phone. It's really simple. And then we have a time after the um, little presentations for farmers to just let us know issues they're having or successes they're having. So it's a time for our farmers to talk to each other as well as us and bounce ideas off of each other. What uh, you mentioned you've already had uh, one of these webinars. What what were some of the things farmers were talking about after that, that one, your latest one? Yeah, the latest one, we talked um, a lot about UPIC operations because that's a whole other challenge, having people come onto your farm, but we need to practice social distancing. And so we had some farmers talking about what they were planning to do that normally have you pick operations. Um, a lot of them are planning on just picking everything themselves and trying to sell it that way. Some are trying to 
have um, sign-up times where families can go on like a Google form and select a certain time frame and a row or two of the field. And then they're the only ones that will be on that row at the farm at that time picking. And so it's just kind of helping people do that social distancing, but still letting them have the experience of going out and bringing the kids out to the farm to do the U-Pick. So that was one of the main topics from the last um, open foods or open space discussions. Well, you mentioned, and I think we should reemphasize that uh, getting involved with some of your webinars and all, uh, when you say Zoom, a lot of folks are going to do like I would have a few weeks ago. Oh, gosh, I don't want to learn something new. <laughs> but I actually just learned Zoom myself. I used it this morning. It's very easy, and, and I'd like to encourage folks, don't let that hinder you from from getting involved with these and being a part of them. It, it's pretty simple, isn't it? It is, and there's even an app for your phone. And so if you're out in the field but want to listen in on our conversation, you can do that. You can just open up the app and be with us. So you can be out on your farm busy and listening at the same time then. Yeah, we've had a couple do that. So it seems to work well. Great. Um, one of the other things I wanted to talk a little bit about, if you don't mind, is the Produce Safety Alliance. I know uh, that's something you deal with some, correct? Yes. Could you tell everybody what that is and uh, how it might affect them? Yeah. So just backing up a step from the Produce Safety Alliance, I'm sure many of our farms are aware of the Food Safety Modernization Act Produce Safety Rule. Yes. Yeah, this is a law that Obama implemented in 2011, and it's a regulation on how we grow, harvest, pack, and hold fresh produce that's typically consumed raw. So this is affecting many of our farms, and the degree to which you are covered by this rule depends on your produce sales. And so it can get kind of confusing trying to figure out if you're covered by the rule, if you're qualified exempt, or if you're not covered. So that's something that I'm here to help farmers figure out as well. Um, but the Produce Safety Alliance formed after this law went into place to help growers through this process. So they have developed a food safety curriculum, which satisfies part of the requirements of the produce safety rule that someone from every farm has to go through produce safety training. So PSA created a day-long produce safety training that goes through all the different aspects that the produce safety rule covers. And that's something that our team does is we host produce safety alliance grower trainings and we typically, before COVID, would go around Arkansas and try to hit all the different regions during the kind of off-season times so that farmers could come in, get the training they need, and then go implement those practices on their farms and be ready for inspection whenever the Department of Agriculture comes out to inspect farms. So now that we've had COVID happen, we have shifted to a temporary remote delivery and we're actually going to do our first remote training over Zoom in May. And we have had all of our seats filled. So we have 20 growers from Arkansas, and then I think a few in a couple of surrounding states sign up for this. So 
we are anxious to see how this training delivery goes. And it's uh, it's pretty extensive, too, is it not? There's a lot of different topics that get covered during that day. It is. It's a full day. Um, I think there are seven different modules. So we talk about just general food safety, and then we'll talk about worker health and hygiene, which is just so important on the farm. That's the main way foodborne illnesses are transmitted. We'll cover soil amendments, wildlife and domestic animals on the farm, um, water, so your production water and the post-harvest water that you use. We'll talk about um, post-harvest handling and sanitation. And then at the very end, we talk about a farm food safety plan and how to create that. So then it's a full day of learning and lots of food safety. And it's real important to all of us that uh, this is available. I mean, this helps everybody, whether you're a farmer or not, because we're all eating produce. Absolutely. Well, is there anything else we should talk about uh, during uh, this this podcast that you'd like to tell people uh, to be aware of? Yeah, so for our farms that are covered under the produce safety rule, our mid-sized farms, or I guess FDA classifies them as small farms, um, they were supposed to be inspected this year by the Department of Agriculture. But I just want to let everyone know, and they can rest easy, that all on-farm inspections are discontinued until further notice just because of the situation we're going through. So I'm not sure when they'll start inspections again or what that will look like, but we will announce that on our newsletter and do social media um, posts whenever we have more information on that. And all of this information and much, much more uh, can be found on your website, uaex.edu. Is that correct? Yes, that's the main extension website. If they want to go straight to the produce safety page, it's just that uaex.edu backslash produce safety. Absolutely wonderful. We've learned a lot today uh, that will be helpful to our farmers and consumers, and we are so grateful to you taking time uh, while I'm sure you're sheltering at home like the rest of us to help us with this. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Next, Kim Moore speaks with Sarah Lane, Farm to School and Early Childhood Education Coordinator for the Arkansas Department of Agriculture, about Uplift Arkansas, a new website dedicated to helping local businesses and nonprofits during the COVID-19 pandemic. The website serves as a one-stop resource for consumers, produce growers, schools, restaurants, and others. Lane also addresses the status of the Farm to School and School Garden of the Year programs. On this edition of Arkansas AgCast, uh, I'm speaking with Sarah Lane. Sarah is the Farm to School and Early Childhood Education Coordinator for the Arkansas Department of Agriculture. And uh, Sarah, it's great to visit with you today. Great to talk to you, too. All right, Sarah. Well, thanks for giving us a few minutes of your time here on Arkansas AgCast. Uh, As we're still... uh, working from home and in the middle of this COVID-19 social distancing uh, environment that we've all been in now for it seems like almost about two months, Uh, something has been created, a new program has been created, a website, if you will, 
Uh, it's called Uplift Arkansas, and I know you uh, were somewhat instrumental in the, the development of that. Sarah, if you will, talk about uh, and explain for our listeners what Uplift Arkansas is and how it will be an important resource for Arkansas consumers. Great. Yeah, Uplift Arkansas is a partnership between MHP and the Little Rock Convention and Visitors Bureau, along with the Arkansas Department of Agriculture. And it's a website, a one-stop shop, where you can find information on nonprofits, restaurants, farmers, grocery um, locations, as well as businesses right now that are operating under different circumstances with the pandemic. And this was really a community-wide project. Um, information has listed uh, on the website. It's all statewide. Um, and so you can go in and type in your address, or you can even um, it can pull your address as to where you are, and you can find food near you. Um, either by groceries or by restaurants or any of the other categories that they have. Um, and this really came out, you know, our partnership with the Arkansas Department of Agriculture. We really came um, alongside with both of the other partners because we, at the same time as them, had heard from our farmers that they were shifting their markets to be more online. Um, you know, school sales had paused with schools being, um, you know, suspended and moved to virtual instruction. Um, restaurant sales were shifting, but our online sales platforms of what we were hearing from farmers were really skyrocketing. And so this partnership with Uplift Arkansas provides farms, farmers markets, farm stands, or even community-supported agriculture, CSAs, um, it provides farmers all that option, all those options as a way to list um, what they're up to under the groceries tab. And we were really excited with this partnership to make sure that our local food um, is accessible and that our Arkansans across the state are able to find it right now um, as we're all kind of adjusting to this new normal. I know it's a relatively new uh, program and website, but uh, have you been able to kind of determine uh, since its inception, what type of uh, response you're getting from uh, our Arkansas-grown farmers that you uh, work so closely with? How uh, how many of them have already responded and are uh, participating in this? Yeah, that's a great question, too. So, well, what happened was actually at the exact same time that Uplift was being developed, um, we stepped into creating an Arkansas COVID-19 food access map, which you can also find on Uplift Arkansas under their resources. Um, that really specifically before this partnership had developed um, is where we listed our Arkansas grown and Arkansas made members as well as farmers markets like I uh, was mentioning on this map. And so we reached out to all of our Arkansas grown and Arkansas made members um, and many of them filled out an online survey where then we could list their information on a local foods tab. And then we were also listing things like community meals, and school meals so that we were having a well-rounded picture of where food is at. And um, we are now at over 1,400 data points on that map. Um, and that's coming in from agencies, that's coming in from individuals, um, that's coming in from Facebook tagged posts um, so that everyone is sharing this information. Um, and we're able to upload that onto our map, which now, like I said, is available on Uplift Arkansas as well. And, and since our partnership specifically with Uplift, they have seen an increase in their groceries data listing, which is where the farmers 
um, have the option to fill that out. So that's where some of our Arkansas Grown and Arkansas Made members have gone on um, in response to this partnership to add their information as well. Do you at the Ag Department uh, or the Department of Agriculture, excuse me, uh, have you seen uh, with, I think now that we're almost two months into the social distancing, uh, people adjusting to staying at home more, if you will, and maybe not uh, just robbing the grocery store shelves of, of the food <laughs> and, and the supply chain delivery systems are kind of being, are catching up back up again. I'm noticing that in local supermarkets. But still, with that in mind, are you seeing more people trying to uh, utilize uh, local farms, uh, our, our Arkansas-grown farms? Yeah. Uh, you know, the UPIC operations, the delivery systems mm -hmm. they can make uh, to find fresh produce because it may not be available in grocery stores. Yes, you are so right. We are hearing that over and over again from our Arkansas-grown and Arkansas-made farmers. Um, we are even seeing really innovative ideas where local restaurants um, like The Root in Little Rock or Farmer's Table up in Northwest Arkansas have become local food grocery stores where they're actually um, purchasing, you know, and aggregating that those products that then customers can more accessibly purchase. Um, so we're seeing that those great um, ideas coming out. And then we're also hearing from our members that they are having just an increase in on-farm sales. Um, they're getting calls just like nonstop or messages on their social media sites of customers who are really looking for local food right now um, and local plants, you know, and just really wanting to support our local economy. How exactly, you referenced this a moment ago, uh, but with schools being out, children being required mm -hmm. to stay home and do online learn, uh, they're not getting those school meals. And there is a there's kind of become a, that the farmers, the local farmers that participated in farm to school have lost that market, or at least they did initially. How are you overcoming that and, and making food available for school-age children? That is a great question, yeah. So right now in Arkansas, um, the Department of Education actually last week let us know that 90% of our school districts in Arkansas are still serving meals to kids. And so school districts are doing that through um, like a weekly box that families can come and pick up and they can get some fresh produce as well as shelf-stable produce um, and food items for the whole week. We've also seen school districts utilize the bus system um, and the bus routes that kids normally come to school on. Instead, it's a flip and meals are going out through the bus service so kids and families can pick those up um, where they live, which is really incredible to see in areas where transportation might be more of an issue. And then we're still also seeing um, school districts doing a daily or multi-day um, meal, hot meal options for school districts. And, and with that, we have seen lots of partnerships develop with other organizations in each of those cities. Um, so, for example, in Little Rock, you know, the Little Rock School District has partnered with um, the Central Arkansas Library System, as well as many others, to provide food um, for kids, and so really making sure that it's a community-wide effort. And we're really seeing that across the whole state right now. And with the food access map, we actually have a verification team that's going through every single week to verify all of these school meal um, site locations so that we can provide the most up-to-date information. And each of those they have all been sharing really exciting stories of when they speak with the 
child nutrition directors or the cafeteria staff or even the superintendents of the school districts that are saying, this is what we're doing. Thank you so much for spreading the news. We want to make sure that kids um, have access to food right now because that's something that we are able to do and provide. So, again, uh, just inform our listeners, you did this, I believe, at the very beginning, but just, uh, again, a final time. Is the uh, web address just upliftarkansas.com? How can consumers access uh, the map uh, that you referenced mm-hmm. uh, on the website, and, and how can they get this information? Yep, it's at upliftarkansas.com, just like what you said. That's where you can see all the restaurants and groceries that are near you. And then at the top, there are multiple drop-down tabs, and one of them is resources. And in there, you can click on the one that says Arkansas COVID-19 Food Access Map. And that's where you'll find our food access map that has, like I said, um, community meals, food pantries, local food, like our Arkansas-grown, Arkansas-made members, as well as our school meals. And I know that Uplift... um, and the other partners, along with us, we've shared this widely on our social media, and it's on our um, Arkansas Department of Agriculture website under our COVID-19 resources as well, um, just to make sure that it's as accessible as possible. Well, this is a phenomenal uh, partnership, Sarah, and uh, thank you so much uh, for you and, and your colleagues there at the uh, Department of Agriculture uh, creating this, partnering with the Convention and Visitors Bureau and your other partners uh, to make this available during this very, very important time because it's a win-win, as we just said, mm-hmm. for school children, for school districts, for our local uh, produce growers, for our farmers and ranchers, isn't it? It is, and and all our Kansans, too, because we all want to eat. And so this is really, yeah, a great collaborative effort across so many agencies, individuals, and organizations to make sure that we are providing that access right now to everyone. I want to kind of conclude our conversation by transitioning just for a few minutes. I know you also, as we've referenced, are the coordinator of the Farm to School program, which uh, includes the school garden program the Department of Mm -hmm. Agriculture conducts. And I've been uh, excited to uh, cover and report on your School Garden of the Year award winners. Uh, We've seen these uh, school gardens just uh, multiply all over the state uh, on campus. Uh, over the last decade or so. Uh, Where does that program stand right now with school being concluded for the years, uh, children being required Mm -hmm. to stay home? Uh, What's the future of the uh, school garden program as we go forward in 2020? Yeah, thank you so much for asking about school gardens because we really are wanting to support our teachers and educators right now as they're doing virtual instruction. And we have been communicating with school garden educators and coordinators to help and support them right now. So um, through the Arkansas Department of Agriculture, we are working on um, providing virtual um, lesson ideas, videos, sharing resources, sharing tips from other agencies and organizations in Arkansas, um, just around virtual instruction on farm to school. And then specifically with school gardens, Many school gardens that we have, um, or many school garden coordinators that we have spoken with, um, you know, are continuing to grow food in their school gardens. Some are even increasing how much food they had planned to grow because of uh, just sort of the looming pandemic and and what will happen even tomorrow. Um, It's so hard for us to predict. So 
I know that a lot of staff at schools have stepped up to help with some of the maintenance and the planting since students um, were out of school at that really prime time to plant a lot of this. But from what we're hearing is school gardens are still moving forward, still being planted and maintained, um, and that schools are just, you know, excited about continued funding, for example, through our Arkansas Grown School Garden of the Year contest, which we are going to open in just a couple weeks, actually, on May 11th, the contest will open. And um, we are extending the contest open window just because of, um, in response specifically to the pandemic. So it'll be open, like I said, on May 11th, um, and we will close it in the middle of September to give schools plenty of time um, over the next few months to fill out their, their responses and um, let us know, you know, some of the great work that had already happened in the 2019 to 2020 school year up until about March. And then, you know, what they were able to do during our virtual instruction time. And um, so, yes, we're still continuing with that Arkansas Grown School Garden of the Year contest, you know, where funds are provided from farm credit. Um, and our plan, again, is to continue with that and then release those winners in 2020 in October. Um, so, yes, we are moving forward with school gardens, still trying to find more and more ways to support them. Um, beyond the contest, which might look like funding, um, might look like added promotion materials that we might be um, working and creating. Uh, but just to kind of echo where I, I feel like many people are sharing on, on social media and, and conversations just around the self-sustaining and the, the, the power that we all have to, to grow food and, and how there's such a need for that right now, um, or even a desire just from individuals and so schools are a great way to still captivate on that and um, we're excited to continue to support them in these coming months. Well it's been exciting for us at Farm Bureau to uh, report on and, and cover a number of different uh, schools uh, primarily elementary uh, grade level schools that uh, have mm -hmm. uh, uh, planted their own gardens in their courtyards and uh, it's just exciting to see children, many from urban areas that maybe have not grown up on farms or even had a background in gardening at all, growing produce, uh, learning how to do that, getting excited about it, uh, maintaining these gardens even through the summer months when they're mm -hmm. on vacation, and then harvesting their produce in the fall, and then uh, being able to consume their own produce, you know, uh, that they've grown, and learning how to do that and gain an appreciation for it. And and we appreciate so much what the Department of Agriculture is doing to help uh, just further that uh, process on the local school campuses. Well, you could not have said it better than that, for sure. Um, and we're, you know, thankful for Farm Bureau, too, for highlighting our school gardens. I know that there's been great coverage from Farm Bureau in the past, and I'm sure there will continue to be around school gardens, just in the same way that you said of how critical and important this is for children um, and how then, once they plant the seeds and watch it grow, um, you know, they're more likely to taste and eat that food, um, which just supports our local Arkansas agriculture community as well. It certainly does. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for giving us a few minutes of your time today. Uh, it's great to visit thank with you, you so again. Much. And we will uh, keep in touch, okay, as we go through these next few months. I'm glad you were able to announce that uh, May 11th opening of the application process here in just a couple of weeks. And hopefully you'll get, as you have the last couple of years, a large number of responses. 
And uh, hopefully, as uh, things kind of tend to open up a little more over the next month or so, we can maybe visit one or two of those schools over the course of the next several months and uh, celebrate with you again this fall as you name the School Garden of the Year. I love that idea, Ken. I'm looking forward to it. All right. We've been talking to Sarah Lane. Sarah is the Farm to School and Early Childhood Education Coordinator for the Arkansas Department of Agriculture on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. Finally, Keith talks to Jarrah Settles, the General Counsel and VP of Risk Management for the Livestock Marketing Association in Kansas City. Settles explains why livestock auctions are essential for the cattle industry and discusses some of the challenges caused by COVID-19. Welcome to AgCast. This is Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau, and today I'm visiting with Jura Settles. Jura is the General Counsel and Vice President of Risk Mitigation for the Livestock Marketing Association. Welcome to AgCast, Jura. Thank you. We are so glad to have you here. There's a lot of stuff going on in the livestock world and the markets. And uh, you being with the Livestock Marketing Association have some good information to share. Let's start by telling folks what LMA is and does. Yeah, so the Livestock Marketing Association is the nation's kind of only and leading um, organization for livestock marketing businesses. So most of our membership would be um, livestock auction markets or colloquially known as sell barns, um, livestock dealers, um, order buyers, and then we've got um, some other folks that are kind of associate members. And also we uh, host the the world championship of livestock auctioneering uh, every summer except for this one. So um, that's what people may know us for. A lot of our people who are listening probably uh, see the businesses you work with all the time as they're traveling around Arkansas. They see these uh, cattle sale barns and other livestock sale barns. That's the the kind of folks that y'all work with very often, right? Yes, yes. We have, uh, at last count, I believe 18 member markets in the state of Arkansas, um, and we have about 80% of, of all markets all over the country, so uh, chances are if you're driving past the sell barn and they're selling um, weekly or every other week, they're they're probably an LMA member. So right now, with uh, the problems that are going on with COVID-19, the coronavirus, folks having to stay home, businesses getting closed. How is that affecting our sale barns? Well, you know, thankfully we've been able to work with, um, you know, the governor and then the um, Agriculture, Commerce, Game and Fish Commission um, in, in all of that um, state government staff along with um, organizations like the Arkansas Farm Bureau to, to make sure that livestock auction markets are deemed as essential infrastructure. Um, you know, they're a part of the um, food chain. Um, they're the meeting place for buyers and sellers of livestock and um, you know, most of the, the hamburger that Americans eat that's domestically produced uh, is probably coming from a cow or a bull that, that came through one of our 
uh, auction markets. And so um, keeping the doors open and, and commerce flowing has been really important um, in maintaining the food supply. And then also, um, you know, this is a, a tough time for folks that in terms of finances, uh, a lot of times, you know, farmers and ranchers, the only way they've got access to quick capital is to sell some stock. And so um, keeping those doors open to allow those people to, to bring animals to town and, and turn them into cash has also been really important. What do you uh, think are some of the big issues that folks are dealing with now that maybe they didn't have to deal with a few months ago? Yeah, so, I mean, if you would have uh, attended a, a livestock auction market sale, um, you know, just a few months ago, it, it's very social. Um, you know, that's part of the community. People come in, they bring their animals, they um, get a piece of pie from the cafe, they drink coffee talking to their neighbor, and um, it's, you know, it's a people business. And uh, it's very different now uh, to go into a, a livestock auction market. You know, those those facilities are, are following the uh, CDC and state and local uh, guidelines and requirements with respect to social distancing and crowd limiting and whatnot, such that, you know, now uh, most markets, in order to keep their crowd sizes limited, are only allowing their own staff and then also buyers to be in the sale facility uh, and asking those consigners to just drop off their livestock uh, and head on home. Uh, just to limit this, the number of people in the facility. All right. Well, with folks being limited, that must change the scene a lot at the sale barns. I know I've dropped in at some of our sale barns here in Arkansas, and it's a big affair. I mean, they have bleachers <laughs> with folks sitting and watching what's going on. It's usually a packed house. Things are, are changing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's um, part of the beauty of the auction environment is the excitement that uh, the auctioneer through their chant um, can create and the kind of crowd buzz. And so um, a lot of that is usually having people there. And uh, so it's you know, been a challenge not only for, um, you know, probably those auctioneers, but um, just in terms of, you know, those market owners and, uh, and the buyers just to continue trying to do business in a very odd environment. Yeah, it's, it's just an odd environment everywhere these <laughs> days, it seems. But it seems like livestock folks are getting hit especially hard, especially the beef folks. What are some of the issues uh, that you're hearing from folks you're talking to? Yeah, obviously um, kind of the headline-grabbing news is uh, the, the challenges we're having at the, the end of the beef life cycle. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing plants not only on the beef side but also um, pork and poultry um, and, and lamb and goat, to be honest, um, you know, being impacted such that, you know, once once they start having employees test positive, they're having to close down, they're having to clean, um, and, and, you know, some of them are closing for, for shorter amounts of time, some of them are closed indefinitely. Um, so anytime that we have a, a holdup on the destination um, of those livestock, uh, you know, in terms of processing, that backs the whole system up. You know, that, that means that cattle can't leave the yards, the feed yards, 
that means that you know those those yards only have so much capacity that more cattle can't come into those yards um so it it just backs the whole thing up you know thankfully um for most of the country um uh, it's grass season um and so you know we're getting feeder cattle out and 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 on grass and uh can kind of grow those you know that way um but you know if you've got a if you've got a feed yard full of, of steers ready to go um you're in a tough spot right now and you know this from experience you've uh, you've helped raise livestock right <laughs> yeah i i grew up um on a, a much smaller scale uh, on the cow calf side of things uh grew up with uh, purebred angus and uh main on jew cattle in nebraska which is okay obviously a, a pretty big feeding um community in and of itself so um part of part of that process absolutely so you you having that experience could you look in your crystal ball and tell us what maybe you see down the road what what are things going to look like as we leave spring and head into summer uh can you take a guess at that <laughs> yeah I, I you know i think that from a um, production cycle and um chain um perspective i think it's just going to take time um you know, we saw last summer with the Holcomb fire what one major packing plant going offline can do in terms of logistics and backup for the entire beef industry. Um, now we've got multiple proteins impacted across um, scores of plants. And so it's it's just going to take time um, to get things back to normal. I don't think that, you know, I think it's probably overly optimistic to think that uh, we'll have everything straightened back out um, by this summer. You know, it's just going to be something that we have to be patient with. But, you know, it, we're not patient people, um, and, and we've just kind of got to to ride out the storm. But, um, you know, it, and people are people are worried and they're nervous and they're concerned for their families sure. and their neighbors. But, um, you know, they are, you know, we are, we're blessed that, you know, we're not as as the general case locked in an apartment uh, in a city. We can go outside, we can get fresh air, we can take care of our livestock and we can remember, uh, you know, why we do what we do. Um, And although sometimes it's not profitable, uh, sometimes it's not fun. um, You know, there's a a greater calling to why we, why we're involved with the livestock industry. And um, I think that that certainly breeds into a lot of our people, uh, the resilience to carry on. If I'm uh, listening to this podcast and I'd like to get more information about the Livestock Marketing Association, how would I go about doing that? Yeah, we have um we're present on pretty much all of the major social media platforms. You can um look us up on Instagram or Facebook and then kind of a, the best landing page is our website, which is www.lmaweb.com. Well, we appreciate you taking time out from your busy schedule, and we do know you've been extremely busy with all this going on, trying to help our livestock producers. For that, we're grateful. Uh, I think we all learned a lot of things today listening to you explain this to us, and we appreciate your time. Well, thank you, and thank you to your crew for being great partners in this battle. And we'll hope to talk again someday. Thank you very much, Jerry. Thank you. That's it for this week. Arkansas AgCast returns next week with the latest news and updates about Arkansas agriculture.